I think those two people would have a lot of respect for one another, for sure. I think everybody probably has at least one brand that they just like to not like. I actually like some of the brands I used to make a point not to like now and vice versa, I've switched, but everyone just has some brand that they like to be like, they just don't like. I, I have them for sure and there's no real reasons. There's there's one brand that comes to mind right now, which is just, you know, it's like, it's your, it's your whipping boy version of a luxury watch brand. Welcome to a blog to watch weekly with Rick and Ariel, but no David, sad face. On the show this week, the Rolex Air King, Tissot Sea Star, two watches from Chopin, and a new watch from Atelier Wen. Plus, enter the A Blog to Watch weekly competition to win some A Blog to Watch goodies from the A Blog to Watch shop. Enjoy the show! Greetings and welcome to this week's A Blog to Watch weekly. I last spoke to Ariel mm, 12 hours ago. Since then, I've been to my bed for a good eight hours sleep. Ariel has been recording podcasts all night. Yes. Ariel, how are you still going? It is now three o'clock in the morning where you are. Well, I talk for a living, so I expect <laughs> myself to be able to speak for at least 12 hours a day. The th- key thing is, and we'll just speak about this briefly, one of the guests that you were interviewing for Superlative was someone I introduced you to at Watches and Wonders. So tell me, how did you get on with Nico and who won the Hublot chat? That's a great question. So you did. You were so kind to introduce me to <laughs> Nico, who's a uh, a retailer in North Ireland. Some would not consider that a kindness, but for the purpose of this, we'll consider Full it a kindness. Full disclosure, only had very pleasant experiences, very polite guy, very respectful he's good, he's good to fun. me. And, and he represents the sort of new era of watch retailer who isn't just sort of sitting quiet in the background selling watches but is selling themselves as a personality and and that is a new strategy for being a successful watch retailer so there's these very you know larger than life sometimes personalities that use social media to promote themselves and, and then also happen to sell watches they love watches for sure but it's just very interesting to see that this is a strategy that works, and Nico is definitely one of, of a, a handful around the world, and um, it was really great to chat with him. He, I guess, is famous for not liking Hublot, and mm-hmm. towards the end of our conversation, we did have a very matter-of-fact conversation about it. I, I think that you know I posed a pretty good argument, and I got him to acknowledge a bunch of things, like they are a pretty good watchmaker <laughs> and stuff like that. He you know, sort of admitted he didn't like the fact that they were more sort of industrially designed and industrially finished, but I couldn't really get him to say anything coherently bad about it. It was just sort of like his villain. And, and he sort of admitted <laughs> that all the things that, that watch brands might do that annoy him, he just sort of channels all of that anger towards Hublot. Like they're the only recip- they're the only company that does, you know, a host of, pr- he, he claimed that they were too expensive. I'm like, compared to what? <laughs> you know, uh, like within the space, pretty much everything is a- about a- as expensive. If anything, a blow is a good deal in some instances for, for what you get these days. You, you know, you can't just measure them by what they were sort of like, you know, 10, 15 years ago or something like that. So I, I think it was sort of like a-, a-, a polite handshake where, you know, yes, Hublot isn't all that bad. Maybe I'm singling them out. I don't happen to like them, but, you know, it's part of my brand not to like them. So that's that's sort of this. That's how it went. Up. The whole point of a heavyweight 
contest is that the first round is kind of a draw so you can have a second a rematch and then make even more money and all the rest of it so we look forward to the rematch however it does bring me around slightly full circle because you were interviewing uh, Nico on the superlative podcast but this week's superlative podcast that went out on Monday past also featured a key component of Hublot's success which was you interviewing Jean-Claude Biver and is it Pierre his son? Yes, I just recorded uh, or just released an episode of Superlative with Jean-Claude Biver and his son, Pierre. We recorded it a few weeks ago, but he is apparently the the bane of Nico's existence. <laughs> Being, you know, the, 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 the grandfather of Hublot. And the thing is, I think those two people would have a lot of respect for one another, yeah. for sure. I think everybody probably has at least one brand that they just like to not like. I actually like some of the brands I used to, you know, make a point not to like now and vice versa, I've switched, but everyone just has some brand that they like to be like, they just don't like. I, I have them for sure and there's no real reason. So I, I just think it's natural as being a watch collector that that's gonna happen. And I challenge everyone out there to ask themselves, like there's there's one brand that comes to mind right now, which is just, you know, it's like, it's your it's your whipping boy version of a luxury watch brand. Well, the interesting thing about the interview with Jean-Claude and his son was this was their first outing, really describing what they were trying to do with their new brand, which I think is basically Biver and Son. Is that right? That was what I took away from it. Yeah, we don't have... A final design yet i was promised that by the end of the year or early 2023 there would be some substantive yeah. things but it's going to be a low volume high quality yeah like a few watches a month maximum it, yeah it, beaver and son that's the name beaver yeah beaver and son on the one hand it was like yeah this is going to be great i'm looking forward to this on the other hand i was getting slightly concerned that this is going to be like new coke rather than the iphone what was your gut feeling? You did try very hard to get, you know, what kind of material you're going to make it out of, how many of them you're going to make, what's the kind of price point? Are you trying to appeal mass market or very niche? Oh, I'm not worried about this at all. Okay, you have to understand, Bever's name is going to be on it. All he needs to do is have like a casting call for designers. He's like, okay, people, impress me. And people are just going to send him stuff. He just has to put the, the stamp of approval on what he wants. He gets to be a curator. I think the only uh -huh. challenge he's going to have to make is where to start and what to do and how to make tweaks and things like that. I don't think that he's going to be in any, have any lack of options available for him. He knows watches. He has good taste. He's made it very clear that he wants these to be thought provoking artistic watches. I mean, he knows this world, so he'll, he can be the judge to say, yes, this fits what I'm trying to do or no, I need to try a different design. Good. So tune in to the Superlative Podcast. That's a really great interview with the two of them. And you get to look forward to Nico coming soon. If you're listening to this episode of A Blog to Watch Weekly on the Spending Time channel, then please also subscribe directly to A Blog to Watch Weekly. Uh, that way you're guaranteed to get it dropping into your box. There is other stuff that's going to start coming specifically to the Spending Time channel soon. In fact, by the time you listen to this, one may already have dropped and that would be with eBay. But you can go and check that out and see if it is there. So let's talk some watches then this week. I'm going to start with, well, well, let's let's just do it. Let's start with Rolex. Let's get the clickbait out of the way. <laughs> 
you did a hands-on review with the new Rolex Air King. This appears to have been quite a popular release. I mean, I think everyone was fairly, you know, I, I don't, you're not still seeing the media going on about Rolex releases, which in previous years, I think, you know, with the GMT, the Pepsi, the Batman, I think my memory of that is it went on for weeks, people talking about it. I think the hype has died down already. And the one that appears to be popping up as being that, yeah, actually, that's not bad, is actually the Air King, the 126900. So you've had this hands on. Do you agree with that analysis? Is this, is this really the star of the watches you're never going to be able to get so why are we still talking about it cast of rolex i mean that's all of them i think the thing with the air king is it has the least built-in demand for a long time air king was just some crappy vintage rolex you bought because it was the only one that you could afford you know you know ever really <laughs> wanted the air king no one's excited about it and then rolex decided to bring it back as as a budget model and all it really was was a different dial for the milgauss i mean really that's all the air king was and it had a dial that was inspired by some car gauges that that i talk about more in the article on the blog to watch nothing to do with pilots or anything like that even though the, <laughs> and you know it, it it was a funky dial it wasn't something that people would say is immediately elegant but it was a rare situation of rolex trying something new and this was just several years ago i think it was what was it 2016 or something like that uh when the uh, you know the, the new air king came out and then they just radically redesigned it i mean new case new bracelet new dial updated movement it's it it, it they fixed it and i think that's really the operative thing there that it was a flawed watch before that was it just didn't really work. It was kind of confused. Now it still it still has a funky look to it, but it's it's its own thing, and I think that it has come into itself. But again, it's not it's it's you know it's a seventy four hundred dollar item that you're not really going to be easily able to get because for the foreseeable future, getting most any Rolex, let alone a steel model, is going to be a, a trying experience of wait lists and and calling and calling retailers again and again and again and hoping that you know somebody wants to serve you and that's kind of kind of weird because the people that buy this aren't buying it in the next several months or years because they're looking for it but probably because it's like the rolex which becomes available to them oh we have an air king do you want to buy that okay fine you know that's <laughs> that's more or less how a lot of them are going to be sold so all this discussion about tastefulness and this and that it's it's almost moot it's it's now it's an acceptable rolex it's a little bit more youthful um it, it's nice i liked it everyone on the blog to watch team liked it when we put it on mm -hmm. would it be the one that i would go after first no uh but if someone just sort of like said okay this is the rolex that you you get to buy and you wanted to buy one in this price range I'd, you know, I'd wear it as an alternative to an Explorer one or two. I'd wear it as an alternative to a few other models there. You know, is it as cool on the wrist as a Submariner? Maybe not, but it's, you know, theoretically a couple grand cheaper. I, 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 I don't, I don't hate it at all. I sympathize with people that do, but again, uh, you know, most new Rolex dials out there are scrutinized to hell before they're accepted. It is a $7,400 watch. That does feel expensive. Um, 
Well, I mean, in the scheme of what, feels I mean, like you're really feel, feels like you really are paying for the crown uh, for the Rolex name on it. Well, it, it's a basic, it's a youthful watch. It's a simple daily wear, time only. Y- yes, of course. But again, you know, I think that you and I and many others are in for a harsh, uh, harsh awakening soon because inflation will eventually catch up with watches. It's it, the, watch brands have always been extremely excited about raising prices. I, I think that we're going to quickly see a lot of the watches that uh, we may have remembered at $5,000 being $10,000 in the not so distant future. Good. So you can read Ariel's hands-on review of this on uh, a blog to watch, obviously. Recently, Chopard announced a new limited edition which with a, a California version of the Mila Miglia 1000 Miles. This is an event that I will be joining Chopard on for part of it, uh, the first leg of the segment from Los Angeles. And these are exhibition races where you have to be in a car that qualifies, meaning it was made before prior year. I think for the California Mila, it was like before the year 1957, some super, super old thing when it comes to cars. And um, they'll be going a thousand miles in them, not all at once. Uh, we're going to be going from California to, I'm sorry, from Los Angeles to Santa Barbara here in California. And for the occasion, Chopard has released a new limited edition version. It's it's not radically new. Uh, this is, you know, a version of their Mila Miglia chronograph collection, which has been around for a while. I, I This is a watch that to me has aged very well. It still looks good, very handsome, nicely polished. And I particularly like this version. It's not the only one that's done it, but that has a perlage decorated dial, which is inspired by sort of the old dashboards and things like that of some of the old sports cars that that had this perlage surfacing on a lot of the interior metal so this is this is an attractive watch again i i I think this is a collection that is probably do some upgrades but you know for 10 years now still look pretty good what do you think yeah i mean well just to bring it back to the previous conversation about rolex this is a seven thousand seven hundred and twenty dollar limited to 31 from chopard big brand and it's a chronograph it's like a couple hundred dollars more than the rolex air king and yet there's only 31 of these being made i think i know where i'd be putting my money if i had the choice okay it's a 7750 type chronograph i assume yeah it's a eta 7750 at least it's a chronometer rated one well so yes, is the chronometer rated. <laughs> yeah it is a very underappreciated range this within show part they are some very nice... I mean, some of them are also horrific, but the Mili Miglia range in general, uh, some nice-looking watches. I mean, what brand doesn't have some absolute ugly things under its belt? No brand today is immune. I mean, ro- even Rolex has just things that it looks back back on just a few years ago. It's like, oh, I, I can't look at that. It was so bad. I'm thinking Leopard Daytona. No, that is not. Why does everyone hate that one? It's just a matter of taste. I'm not saying it's the coolest uh, it's, one. It's a matter of no taste, Ariel. Ariel, come on. Get, <sighs> get a grip of you. I know you're tired. I know you've been doing this for 12 hours straight, but the Rolex Leopard deserves not to be There's just There's some people out there canceled. that that's, that's their style. I mean, it's it's... You're right. If the queen came out wearing leopard, you'd be like, "What's what's <laughs> going on? This isn't what we expect." So I, I I understand. It's it's 
for the right audience, the right crowd, for sure. Certainly, the show part is very much well worth looking. Do you know what kind of car you're going to be in yet? Have you been told? Um, I may have been told. I- I'm not really sure. I-, I mean, look. And are you a passenger or do you drive? Oh, I do not want to drive one of these things. Um, these cars are <laughs> exhausting to drive. Being in there, it's always it's it's open, so it's always uh-huh. loud, smelly. <laughs> these, <laughs> these things are not comfortable. Um, I love the design and the stories of some of these cars, but I am thoroughly a modern automobile aficionado. I, I, I don't want to have to drive or experience anything before all the sophisticated braking and stability control technology and power steering that we, we take for granted today. So double D clutches and all the rest of it and crank starts. And oh boy. Chokes. So Showpad were also released, uh, or actually it wasn't that they released, David reviewed the Showpad LUC Time Traveller in a black ceramatized titanium. I'm a big fan of world timers, though I'm not sure how much I would actually ever use one. But this is a pretty looking watch again from Showpad. There's quite a lot going on in the dial here. It does have, well, I think it has quite, kind of GLC Polaris vibes in terms of the crowns and also David kind of refers to the Patek Philippe the weekday calendar. I can't just remember what that one's called, what the reference number is for the Patek Philippe. That was released a couple of years ago, one of my favourite Pateks. Did you get the chance to look at this at Watches and Wonders? Was this a Watches and Wonders release? It came out a little bit before we did have a chance to 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 spend time with it. I mean, if you are someone that likes World Timer watches, Chopard makes a few. They actually make two, one watch that's even more complicated. So there's the there's the GMT version, then there's the World Timer version. I believe this is the more complicated of the two. It's lightweight. It's legible. I think what's what's what people like about this is that it, it it's definitely dressy and classy enough to look conservative and refined, but the dark colors, the sort of almost you know monochromatic city city tones, gives it an urban modernity that makes it not boring. Um, I still like a little bit more pizzazz in my watches, but especially sort of if you live in a European country and sort of go along with that. Um, clothing aesthetic. What you're basically saying is us Europeans are dull and grey and what you'd really like in this LUC is a leopard print dial. That's really what you're saying, isn't it? You're right. It doesn't have enough leopard print in it. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> There's not enough leopard print in watches. It's, it should be the new... I'm all for tartan on watches. I think there should be more Look, tartan. Look, I live in a city a where thing. if you want to wear a tie-dye shirt, no one cares, right? But there's a lot of places in Europe where you know, that would be frowned upon. It's it's not a US versus Europe thing. It's really just in LA, you can get away with a lot more than most other places. It's not so much frowned upon as people would go, guys, the 80s wants their clothes back. But uh... And here it's like, right on, do your thing, <laughs> more colors. I, I think the thing about the show part is the price. So this is 15 and a half grand. Is it just me or our show part? We've just looked at the Mealy Mega. Are they offering some pretty decent bang for their buck, considering the branding? They've obviously got Ferdinand Bertoud in their stable as well. I know the Alpine Eagle, Chopard are really rocking it quite a bit at the moment, in my opinion. And there does seem to be, if you can ever say that there's value in luxury watches, 
there does seem to be a little bit of a value prop. Well, it's sort of always been that way. This is not new. It's not new. It is It is definitely the case that there are brands like Chopard, which is, you know, independent and they don't have to answer to shareholders or whatever. When you look at them compared to others now, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This actually isn't a terrible deal um, at all. So I, I think what you're just seeing is what they've been like for a long time. They're not particularly more aggressive with pricing than, than uh, they've ever been. Um, it's just sort of where they're at. And I think that they do a very good job with this stuff. Again, I think that there's certain areas where they need to upgrade some stuff. These classic racing collection or Mila Miglia watches, you know, could use some updated faces. You know, they've done the the Alpine Eagle, which is a little bit more fresh, and they focus a lot on on the LUC collection. I think that there's a lot to see here. It's definitely a brand that, that we like. Quality has always been impressive. The LUC watches, again, just just awesome stuff. But for sort of a little bit more daily wear fun experience the the mila miglia ones but yeah yeah i mean i i think it is definitely something that people overlook probably too often so david unfortunately was not able to be here today he is actually doing some qc on some new goods for the a blog to watch shop so if you didn't know a blog to watch had a shop then go to the a blog to watch website and check out the shop we sell everything except watches because you know we're trying to report on the watches, not trying to sell the watches. It's it's a gift store for watch lovers. That's what exactly. we try to so call it. So we, we like to maintain our independence of the brands as much as possible by not actually flogging their stuff. We'll flog our stuff. So go and check out the the shop uh, for all that's there. There is lots of cool stuff uh, on the way, but there's the range of like t-shirts, watch pouches and prints, etc. there. Uh, for every budget, shipping worldwide and we are running a competition. So if you go and comment every Saturday, both podcasts have a post on their blog to watch website. If you go and make a comment there and we like the comment, you could be in with a chance of getting a gift, free gift from us to you basically anywhere in the world. I'm sure there'll be some terms and conditions which we'll work on later, but go and seek out this Saturday's post so wait a couple of days, go and make a comment on that. And if we like what you've got to say and it's a fun post, then you could be in uh, with a chance of getting a prize from the Blog to Watch shop. So go and check that out. We're going to talk about one of the sponsored posts from the website this week. And this watch has been everywhere on the internet. And this is a Terry Wen. Is that how it's pronounced, first of all? Atelier, I'm fairly sure I've got correct, but is it when or when or I think when? it's just when. Just when? Is this the second watch from the collection or have there been a few? I believe it's the second major watch, yes. Yeah. So this is their take on the kind of, you know, it's been done a few times now, but somebody else is having a go at it of the multicolored dial integrated steel sports watch in a kind of, hey... We may have read a book about Gerald Genta sometime in the past, and this is our take on it. But to be fair to them, these are actually quite nice and have got clearly got some skill behind them. What do you know of the story of the actual brand? Well, I've worked with the brand for a number of years, especially before they started. And it's an interesting story because I think that they really wanted to focus about proud 
proudly made in in China elements to it. It's not an all Chinese watch, but it's it's definitely supposed to celebrate you know uh, Chinese culture. And uh, if I remember correctly, this particular watch here has a dial that that is made there. And and again, it's it's trying to emphasize craftsmanship, right? So they they have this you know uh, this person Master Chang as they call him, and he uses this traditional engine to make these dials and it's you know look it's a similar process as they would do in in switzerland but it's it's done in in china here so i i think that it's really about you know appealing to a demographic but we can do it here it's made by us but this is an aesthetic that you like and this is an individual who has a lot of experience in the watch industry so they understand the right emotions and the right codes to make things look attractive and i like that because it uses the the ethos of making a beautiful watch which is you know really just a matter of applying a, a design to it you know but that is best known in sort of the, the the european watchmaking culture adding in an aesthetic which is which is chinese and i love i love the case back here which has sort of the motif of uh, i guess a, a mask where the mouth is an opening to the movement there, and you can see the uh, the regulation system there, kind of through the mouth, and it's 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 just it's so much fun. It's yeah. does such a great job of looking nice. The hands here, I believe, has uh, super luminova applied on both sides of the hand, which All right. okay. again, you look at one of the pictures here, you can sort of see that, which I think was a, a special thing here. So, you know, look, this is this is a brand. That it, that has an, a brand new product, and um, you know they're they're communicating their way. They're, this is this is their message. That's why I like the sponsored post because this is it's a it's a pre order campaign coming soon. I've never seen it, and I hope that when the retail models come, uh, they will send me one uh, to take a look at. It, it's a, it's about a two thousand uh, dollar watch at the pre order time, which is definitely not insignificant. But if you sort of look at the work that goes into it. It's worth it. So this is sort of part of a new generation of independent watch that is far too expensive for that person that just wants like, oh, I just want a cool watch and I want to spend a little bit of money, right? That's not that's not that person. This is for someone who knows watches and is very interested in what the bigger brands are doing, but now sees this available at a price that you really couldn't get anything like that from a bigger brand form and will jump on it. So this is very much something that enthusiasts and collectors are the primary demographic. This is a watch for you, enthusiast. And that alone yeah. <laughs> should tell you something about whether or not you're going to like it because it's really sort of designed. So if you have an interest in the aesthetic um, or are particularly sympathetic to sort of um, these Chinese cultural elements or just sort of like the design and what they're trying to do with it, I, I think this should be a pretty successful product. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll reserve my final thought for actually seeing one. It'd be interesting to know from this Chinese watch how much of it is made in Switzerland, if any, uh, <laughs> as opposed to the reverse question always being asked the Swiss watch industry but obviously the dial is done it is a Chinese movement don't know a great deal about them but it's been regulated in five positions tungsten rotor 28.8 beats 41 hour power reserve oh it's a peacock movement it's a peacock movement I do like the the design on the back it's got on the fly adjustment it's got an extra rubber strap with it it's two grand the superwoman over Looks cool. I hadn't noticed that in the picture until you pointed out that, yeah, you're getting the Superluminova also illuminating the dial behind the hands. It's not a bad package. If this was a Swiss watch, you'd be eating it up. 
The question is, is there a genuine existential threat to the Swiss watch industry if the Chinese watch industry starts being... Original is the wrong word because there's been some original Chinese watches produced that just would not appeal to a a general European or American audience. But if the Chinese manufacturing base starts to take design cues, as this has done from watches that are popular in European, Middle Eastern and American markets, is there a proper existential threat? I mean, there must be a load of talent in China that knows how to do what the Swiss do, because a lot of Swiss companies are paying Chinese factories to do it for them. Yes and no. I think that while it's definitely not the same place, it's it's close enough that we can draw lessons, which is a, is a market like Japan. And Japan makes incredibly good watches. If you are a Japanese person and you want a nice watch, you never have to buy anything but a Japanese watch. Yet the Japanese watch market is huge for both Japanese watches and plenty of European watches. Similar in China, they have been making watches in China for a very long time and they can make pretty decent watches. They have plenty of, of, of brands, um, you know, uh, Fita uh, is, you know, a, a Chinese brand that makes a lot of great watches and things like that, that despite the availability of local watches, there's still a big hunger for um, foreign made luxury goods. And so I think that the, it's really dependent on the perception of, of status symbols. Paris luxury holds particularly high esteem uh, in parts of Asia, more so than maybe local endemic luxury, and and so the design or the or the provenance of a European luxury good will have some special element there. What you see is the consumers that buy watches like this, who are in China, do not go from buying no watch to this watch. They go from buying Swiss watches and getting comfortable with having those to say, you know what, I'm ready for something new. Okay, I'll wear something you know, cool and homegrown and that. But it, it's like after they're done with their, you know, Swiss watch phase, will they go to this? And so I, I think that there isn't a lot of lost sales to, to luxury Swiss brands, which are happening. I think this is just sort of, at least right now, a, a, an interesting extra that people might get probably after they buy their first Swiss luxury watch. Well, I really like the look of this. So go and check out the article on a blog to watch. And there's a link there. It takes you to the website for the first 300. The price is slightly reduced and then it price goes up after the pre-order. So go and check that out. We should note that you're actually here, Ariel, and that myself and David's predictions of auctions being held in memoriam of you not surviving your uh, tandem skydive have not appeared so the hulk rolex hulk's not going up for auction anytime is soon. that what it was you were hoping that i wouldn't survive my jump well i wasn't ho- i mean hope's <laughs> a bit hope's a bit much I-, I guess it's more that we had a plan if you didn't so we weren't really hoping for your demise oh i'm so it's so nice that someone has is thinking it about was about it, being know? prepared it's like it's like making sure you've got a will we myself and david were just taking care of your living will which was what to do with all your watches should it all go horribly wrong now you had this event with Formex. How did it go? It went great. I mean, uh, the you know the, the CEO of Formex and the person that runs Formex America came down to Southern California, and we brought a, a winner from the Blog to Watch audience. And again, this is a giveaway that happened at the end of 2019, so it had been a little while, <laughs> uh, but better late than never. 
And we went to this wonderful facility in Paris, California, where they do skydiving and training. And they do a lot of military training as well there. So they have a bunch of great equipment, a bunch of great people. So we started off in the wind tunnel, which is, um, I guess, sort of like practice flying. And then we went and we jumped out of the plane. Um, it had not, it wasn't my first time, but it was the first time for the winner. He will get a watch, which is one of their new Essence uh, Legera watches, which is uh, a carbon case with a ceramic bezel. They're coming out with some new versions in either a 43 or 41 millimeter case with, I think, five different dial versions, which are all quite different. It's 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 a fun watch, and the winner got one of those. And you know, the CEO of uh, of Formex is is a is a routine skydiver. He's got his own certification. He's got his own parachute and his own pack and stuff like that. So this is a real part of the brand. You know, just like when you're diving, you know, wearing a watch while you're while you're skydiving is sort of uh, an important thing. Yes, you would you would normally have an instrument to help you, but you know your 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 altimeter is an important instrument to have. But it's cool to look at your watch while you're staring down to the earth while you're falling down at it. It's just sort of a neat experience to have, and it's it's a, it's a fun thrill. Um, I I like skydiving, and I find it to be quite the zen experience. I assume you had a form X on your wrist for the for the jump. I had one on each wrist. I actually double wristed it. All right. Okay. So just given us more talks, you know, I've had it all gone wrong, I suppose. We are actually going to hear very briefly from the winner of the competition now. So let's find out why he didn't uh, gerrymander your uh, parachute as myself and David had asked him to. So Ryan, you had one job that myself and David gave you. <laughs> And that was to sabotage Ariel's parachute so that we could have this charity auction. What, sir, is your excuse? Well, I tried, Rick. My tandem jump partner asked what order I'd like to go in. And I said, I definitely want to go behind Ariel so that I can have the best chance of reaching his parachute. And, you know, just flipping a few switches and locks and levers and whatever. And just kind of praying that does something. But as it turns out, there were a lot of other people in the plane and I uh, wasn't able to get a hold of him. So I do apologize for that. That would have raised quite a bit of money for charity and whoever else would have gotten a hold on of those watches. Exactly. I think you, you should, you need to just, have a moment's silence and reflect on the charities that failed to benefit from Ariel's demise. So we'll just take it. We'll just take a brief moment. Anyway, so you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Despite my shortcoming for the countless charities, it, it really was a great experience. So we got to, we did the sky tunnel, like the indoor version of the skydiving first. Yes, and that was a lot more fun than. Uh, than I expected it to be. It was pretty intense. They would blow you like several feet high in, in this uh, tube thing that you're in. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Me, Ar Ariel, uh, Raf, and Marcus all did it. We had a good time there. And then we went for the actual jump after that. So that was Raphael and Marcus from Formex that you were also there with. Now, you actually won this competition back in 2019, I believe. That's correct. Yeah, December of 2019. And you're afraid of heights. So has the tension been building for two years to this it wasn't you know it wasn't like i've entered a yeah. competition i've won let's get it over and done with let's go it was like oh no another week goes by and i've still got to do this uh something like that i mean it kept uh it was a little nerve-wracking at first i was just overcome with excitement for having won the contest and you know getting a trip out to california i'd never been there before uh -huh. And getting to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with, you know, uh, Marcus and Roth and, you know, one of the 
what I would consider to be the biggest figures in the industry and in the Ariel. Then it slowly started to seep in like, wait a minute, like the focal point of this whole thing is going to be you jumping on a plane. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would tell my friends and family about it too. I'd be all excited. And then they would, you know, they all know me and that I'm not crazy about heights. And they'd be like, well, wait a minute, do you have to do that part of the contest? I'm like, well, yeah, I kind of see it as my price of admission. They're paying for me to come to California and Raphael and Marcus are going to be giving me a watch and all that stuff. So the way I see it, it's almost like the, uh, skydiving is just my price to pay for all that. Yeah, well, we're glad you enjoyed it. And I believe there's a Formex watch, one of their new releases, if you've not got it already, is winging its way to you. What is your favorite watch in your own collection? Mine would probably have to be my dad's uh, Rolex Submariner 5513. I don't wear it a whole lot for, uh, you know, concerns over damaging it or, you know, uh, depending on what sort of area I'm in, you know, possibly losing it or having it stolen or whatever. But sentimentality and then also just versatility and that's probably my favorite watch i didn't bring it on this trip yeah that would have been more valuable than the watch we were trying to persuade persuade ariel to wear for the skydive in case it went wrong and what then are you actually wearing just now bearing in mind you haven't received your formex yet what's on the wrist today right now i just got home from the gym i was wearing one of my g-shocks there that's what i usually wear to uh you know mostly for the stopwatch feature when i'm doing isometrics and like timed exercises and stuff but i kind of as i usually do when i come home from the gym i just kind of empty my pockets and just kind of shed everything so most recently i was wearing a g-shock excellent well thank you very much for joining us and yeah keep entering those competitions i believe there's no exclusion so the competition that's out at the moment is to win a ball watch so you can enter that one and see maybe they'll send you diving or just send you a watch and not force you to do anything dangerous just like say yeah thanks thanks for entering there's a really nice watch so thank you for joining us ryan very nice to meet your acquaintance see you again soon likewise take care there's lots new coming from formex i see there has been some uh, embargoed stuff sent to my inbox so plenty going to happen with them later on in the month and just a really cool brand in general i do like formex they do seem to be a little bit left field they produce some really good products uh, prices are always good, uh, nice range. So yeah, go go and check out Formex. What is there? Is there a giveaway running at the moment? Yeah, there is a uh, a giveaway running at the moment for another ten days. I think it's for a ball watch. Um, pretty oh, right, pretty okay. cool one. And I think the one that we're giving away has one of their. It's it's sort of a rainbow, but the radiant rainbow tritium dial. So the dial oh, yes. has different colors of the tritium gas tubes, which I, I always thought was fun. Yeah, no, they're cool. They're cool. I do like them. So go and hunt out the competition to win that ball watch on the Blog to Watch website. Tissot has come out with a 36 millimeter wide version of the Sea Star. Uh, the Sea Star is, I guess, their you know their flagship dive watch right now that they've redesigned many times over the years. The Sea Star has really, to my knowledge, never been nicer than it is right now. It's got their Powermatic 80 movements, ceramic bezels, just a really handsome package. Uh, there's like a confusing array of them. There's like different sizes, and there's like the pro version and the non-pro version, which uh, isn't sort of as water resistant. I, I, honestly. It's it's a bold looking watch. It's it's a good value. The 36 millimeter is just sort of there to fit an important market segment. That's the the female segment. It's also the segment for people that want to wear um, a smaller watch. It doesn't wear that small. 36 is not 
tiny when it comes to dive watches for sure. I personally like their slightly larger ones, but I think that Sea Stars go up to as big as 45 millimeters. So there's an awful lot of variety there. So there's nothing inherently um, novel about this new new size. It is just an additional flavor that's, of course, going to come in different dials. If you are looking for, you know, a relatively entry level Swiss uh, Swiss made dive watch or maybe just a beater watch, honestly, the Sea Star is a place to look if you haven't. Uh, examined it in, in quite some time. It's 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 surprisingly nice. For all we've been talking about Rolex and Chopard, this is a $375 quartz swatch group warranted dive watch. That's pretty, it does scream to me Longines Hydro Conquest, but uh, that's no bad thing in my opinion. They make, like I said, there are mechanical versions, quartz versions, yeah. there's the chronograph version, mostly three-hand ones. I mean, they did this exact same thing with the PRX. They introed the collection at 375. There are multiple versions. You know, the 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 mechanical chronograph version of the PRX goes up to about I think 17 or 1800 bucks right now. This it it worked very very well with that collection. Tissot is doing a similar thing within the Sea Star. So this is really the the low point of the price. It's 375. Very, very competitive, and uh, honestly, a lot of value here. I mean, Tissot are rocking it with some of the releases recently with the PR, etc. And actually, the Tissot T-Touch, which is a watch I have, is probably the watch that over my lifetime of wearing watches, I have worn the most. I loved my T-Touch, the original one. Unfortunately, there was issues with it. That means it's not really working anymore, and I can't really get it fixed. But there you you go, made it baby. touch water, didn't you? You never supposed to let the original touch water. <laughs> I just wore it was the problem. It was a great watch. I love it. They were so pretty, like, weren't they? You had to wait you had to wait a few years into it before it could touch water. Yeah, yeah. And the, the problem is the one that replaced it, the bigger one, it's just horrible and ugly and reminds me of a tag F one plastic watch from the nineties. The original T Touch was actually the steel bezel I had in mind, it just wore and patina, if you can say you can patina a <laughs> T-Touch, was really nice. It scratched up beautifully. So there you go. So yeah, Tissot is definitely a brand that's worth checking out. I, you know, a watch like this, 300, this is the kind of watch you could buy for somebody sensibly for their birthday. You know, there was a, an article on the website this week, we don't have time to touch on it, but from Block 33, uh, the kids watches go and check it out ariel did an article on that but you know this is the also the kind of watch you could just buy 36 mil as an intro to a teenager or a brother or sister that you just wanted to buy a watch it's going to last them forever they might not become watch geeks because of it but they'll certainly appreciate it you know it's it's a good sign because there's certain watches out there that we know we've sort of grown out of, but it's like, we like it so much. We want to find someone <laughs> near us to wear. It's like, Oh, cousin, yes. you're at that level. You I wear want it. to wear my $30,000 Rolex, whatever, my Elang and Zona, but I still really like Tissot. So I'll buy one for you and you can wear it. And, and, and I live my old watch life vicariously through buying new stuff. I hope it's someday I'm like, when I'm older, I have like a lot of little kids around me because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm not going to give them anything but watches. It's going to be what I want them to wear. Their preference be damned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, I think you're going to need to, for some of the watches that you own, you're going to need to wait till 
either have grandchildren that are also power lifters or wait until they are significantly grown up before they can cope with the 45 mil dive watch that you're going to hand them. It's not that heavy though. As long as it's securely strapped to your wrist, you're going to be fine. <laughs> it's the equivalent of giving your grandchild concrete boots and just like, <laughs> throwing them into the... It's, it's a, a extreme, <laughs> it's isn't like, it? You're going <laughs> to... You're going to put a monstrosity on the wrist and say, go swim with that. They're going to sink to the bottom of the pool. At least the watch will survive because it's waterproof. <laughs> Next time we hang out, I'm going to bring my 20,000 foot diver. All right. Okay. Good stuff. That's, Good stuff. That's, What's that's, that? Do tell. I, I think it's about 25 millimeters thick, maybe more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Thick. Cool. Well, thanks for tuning into the show. What have you got coming up this week, Ariel? Well, like I said, I will be joining Chopard at the California Mill. Um, got a lot of watches in for review right now. I'm pretty excited about that. Going to do some video reviews with them. And then uh, actually less than a month from now, in a couple of weeks, I will be coming to London um, and experiencing some things there. So I've got, definitely got a lot of things on my plate. Oh, after that, uh, in June, uh, going to Las Vegas for the Couture the couture show which a lot of brands are going to be there so been been doing a lot of podcasts of course a lot of content coming i i hope the world's uh mood and economy rebounds because there are no shortage of watches for people to get excited about excellent well thank you for uh joining us today and check out all the content on the website check out support podcast spending time podcast and thank you for listening to a blog to watch weekly so goodbye bye